Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We're coming to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton. I'm Thomas Black, and we are coming to you with another pick em rewind fresh off of Purge Week. Alan, welcome into the show. I know Purge Week didn't go so well, but we are also fresh off of one Freddie Freeman home run to send the Atlanta Braves into the NLCS. So on the one end, in the college football world, Things can't be feeling too great, but on the other end, in the baseball sense, you've got to be feeling pretty high at this point. That's exactly right. In regards to the Braves, I just want to first thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for helping them win today (laughs) and beating the Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, I think it's a a statement against alcohol um, from from God. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I know you are. (laughs) In in regards to... Uh, in regards to Pickens, uh, yeah, after this week, my seat is hotter than Edward Gerard's. Ooh, let's go ahead and jump into the rapid recap, Alan. It's a week where we both struggled a whole, whole lot in Purge Week and glad we're done with it. Getting done with Week 6, there's going to need to be a turnaround for the both of us. Alan, you came away with 30 points going just four and six in your picks. Oh, my. The wins were Georgia at a 10, Wake Forest at a 9, Ole Miss at a 6, and Iowa at a 5. The losses were BYU at an 8, Oregon State at a 7, LSU at a 4, Virginia Tech at a 3, Texas at a 2, and Nebraska at a 1. Alan, it wasn't a fun week for you. You dropped from a tie for 10th place heading into the weekend to now a tie for 21st. You have 214 points and are 21 points off the lead. What in the world do you take from a purge week that was very, very difficult for both you and me, sir? Outside of one game, I was oh so close to being eight and two. And I think that's, <laughs> that's the thing that hurts the most, watching those games slowly disintegrate. I had Texas. I picked them last week. On here is one of my value picks. And by God, I was right. <laughs> you know, and they just freaking blew it. They just blew it. Um, I I had Virginia Tech, and they should have won that game. I had Michigan, or excuse me, I had Nebraska, and they sure as heck should have won that game. Now, the LSU pick, that was just bad. They quit. Um, I It feels like that is about to get really ugly down in Baton Rouge. You know, Oregon State. I shouldn't have trusted them nearly as much. And, you know, Boise State comes out of nowhere um, and surprised everybody. So it's just one of those things that uh, you live and you learn, and uh, it is what it is. <laughs> We're both going to have to live and learn after this past weekend, man. I'm right there with you. I scored 30 points as well. I did go 6-4 and four in my picks, but all that really means is that I valued mine really honestly a little bit worse than you did you came away with the same number of points yet getting two fewer picks right I had wins in Georgia at a 10 Oklahoma at an eight Wake Forest at a six Iowa at a three Notre Dame at a two and Kentucky at a one the losses were Oregon State at a nine Nebraska at a seven Arkansas at a five and BYU at a four so Alan it wasn't a pleasant week for either one of us I went from a tie for first place a week ago 
to now sixth place all by myself. I have 225 points and am 10 points off the lead. That's the thing that hurts the most. I thought that maybe there'd be more people that got the brunt of this weekend, uh, but really you and I were right down at the bottom of the pack this week. And it's just as we mentioned, going into purge week, we talked about it, a bunch of tight games, a bunch of tight spreads. You're going to have to hope you ended up on the good end of it. And uh, both you and I ended up on the bad, bad end of it. Yeah, I think we end up, Maybe overthinking it a little bit, but it, it is what it is. You, you, at some point, you got to take some risks and you got to leave it all out there. And uh, sometimes you come up on the short end of the stick and you get some egg in the face. No doubt about it. Alan, we talked about it. You're 21 points back. I'm 10 points back. That is of our leader, Bruce, faithful listener of the show. He has 235 points on the season. He's now 38 and 22 on his picks. He's been on fire and he is leading the pack for a performance package 4.0 from Manscaped and a $100 Visa gift card. So Man, we talked about it last week. I kind of talked about from the same perspective that Bruce was in in a tie for first place. I thought, well, if I bomb out, I'm still probably going to be up towards the top of the pack. That's the case for me. Uh, But because Bruce had a solid week, man, he has a 10-point edge on me and is still in first place, first place all by himself after being in a tie last week. So he's in a really good spot and uh, leading the pack for some cool prizes. That's exactly right. So, But, you know, he's a Michigan fan, which means he's going to be – uh, like his team and they can't finish. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes near the end of the year. <laughs> Definitely. Alan, let's go ahead and dive into the pick and rewind. What uh, matchup would you like to look at first? Because there's a lot of chaos that went down and a lot of stuff to look at uh, with the day as a whole, as we went through. How about Oklahoma saving their season? <laughs> yeah. You know, like they had no business being in that game. Texas let them back in it. Caleb Thompson was was phenomenal. You know, he had 380 yards, five touchdowns, and they obviously jumped out 14 to nothing before, you know, blink of an eye. At the end of one, it was 28 to seven. And I was feeling like the smartest man on the planet. And, you know, it, it didn't look like um, Spencer Rattler knew which way even he was supposed to be throwing it. And then... Um, in comes Caleb Williams and everything changed at that point. So, um, I mean, kudos, that was a huge, huge win for Oklahoma as they get to six and out. It's the second straight season in which we've seen Spencer Rattler benched in the middle of the Red River rivalry this time though, for a superstar freshman that's coming in. And, uh, it certainly seems like Caleb Williams could have solidified himself with this performance, at least getting a start under his belt in the coming weeks ahead. Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, it feels like they're going to give him a, a chance to go. I mean, Oklahoma had six, 662 yards. That is mind-boggling to me looking at, at that stat. Um, and I said Caleb Thompson a few minutes ago. I, I meant Casey Thompson. Um, but Texas offensively was efficient. They did exactly what you needed to do, only turned the ball over one time. But um, Oklahoma just took care of business as they roared back, and Texas defense had no answer for them. Absolutely, man. It was it was a big start, like you talked about, out of the gate. Um, the only thing that really helped me kind of feel like I still had a chance in this game early on, with Texas leading twenty eight to seven, was uh, you know early on it was a blocked punt. 
there was the screen pass to Xavier Worthy, who was tremendous, that took it to the house. And, you know, we hear lots of times in college football, teams will script the first 15 to 20 plays of the game. And I thought, you know, it only took Texas about 20 or 25 plays to build a 28 to 7 lead. So I thought, hey, maybe Oklahoma's just going to kind of start feeling out exactly what they're doing offensively. And if they can get that spark, which it got from Caleb Williams coming in instead of Spencer Rattler because of the turnover and the inconsistency we saw from Rattler, uh, it really felt like a different game once Oklahoma's defense settled in a little bit. The running game got going with Kennedy Brooks. I mentioned him. I thought he'd go for over 100 yards. Not only did he do that, he went for <laughs> over 200 in this game. Yes. Man, it was a good game for this Oklahoma offense once they made the switch at quarterback. Yep, it, that made all the difference in the world. Uh, Brooks was was phenomenal and dynamic, uh, including that last touchdown. And um, just just a heck of a game. Those two nooners were so dang good. I mean, may have been the two best football games we've seen all year were happening at the exact same time. No doubt about it. It was a blast seeing it early on. Uh, As you know, I was gone at a wedding out of town over the weekend, uh, but the wedding was in the mid-late afternoon area, so I was able to enjoy these first two games to the full extent, watching both of them, the Oklahoma-Texas game, and let's go ahead and talk about it with the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. Ole Miss coming away with a 52-51 win. Man, this one was back and forth. Tons of offense. Uh, Nearly 1,300 yards put up by these two teams combined. It was such a blast to watch. And uh, I came up on the unfortunate end. I took Arkansas. I felt pretty good about it. I had Arkansas at a 5 Uh, And going for two points at the end for try and win it, I was fully supportive of it. I liked Sam Pittman's call, uh, but it just came up short, and Ole Miss came away with the win. Alan, you had him at a six. You obviously felt pretty good about it yourself, uh, but this game was a lot of what I expected. Other than, you know, we saw a year ago uh, this Arkansas defense really take advantage of this Ole Miss offense and force a bunch of turnovers, but it didn't happen this year. Yeah, I, I, and I, that's one of the reasons I had him at a six. I did not anticipate this being a repeat of last year's. Now, I didn't think it was going to be a track meet that it became. By the way, I'm in full agreement. Sam Pittman made the right call. He, I saw him on the sideline. I mentioned to the guy that I was watching the game with. I was like, it, it panned to Sam Pittman before the last drive, and he said to, to K.J. Jefferson, if we score, we're going for it. I saw him say those very words, and sure enough, he he held true to it. I think, again, it was the right call. Um, the difference in the game is Arkansas had two turnovers, and and that allowed um, that allowed Ole Miss to, to take advantage of it. I mean, not that it necessarily matters, because typically uh, Ole Miss scores on longer plays, but Arkansas had 17 more first downs than Ole Miss did, and that's staggering had uh, 11 more minutes of time of possession, um, even had more yards, but two turnovers and then couldn't finish the final play. Um, just just an amazing game. The first downs and the uh, time of possession, all about that running game. This is why I was on Arkansas. I thought they were yeah. going to have a hugely successful game on the ground. They went for 49 carries, 324 yards, 6.6 an attempt, and five touchdowns on the ground. Man, they almost completely controlled this game. Like you said, the turnovers kind of went the other way and helped Ole Miss win this thing. Uh, But there were multiple times where I really thought Arkansas was going to pull this thing off. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. 
decent bit, I was thinking, man, I may have really shot myself in the foot with this pick. Um, and I, and I thought it was going to be an omen for the rest of the day, but, uh, it ended up being a, a red herring cause, uh, it was not, it ended up not being a good day, obviously. Well, and the crazy part too, is about this thing. When I look back at our picks, like we mentioned, Ole Miss at a six for you, Arkansas at a five for me, I, the way it ended up, I still don't feel bad about my pick and I still don't think you were in a bad spot with yours. I mean, maybe you wanted it to be a little bit lower after seeing the type of game it turned into. Uh, but really, I think justification for either one of these teams is certainly there, even in retrospect. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I felt that way on several of these games, honestly. Like, we didn't have bad picks, but you, we were forced to have people at a six and a seven at an eight. <laughs> you know, like, that's what we had to do. And, hey, sometimes you lose them. And uh, so that was one that I ended up getting right, and I'll take it. <laughs> I needed them. Definitely. Alan, for another one, one that could have gone our way, we were both on the wrong end of it, but Michigan coming up with a win on the road at Nebraska, 32-29. You've kind of touched on this one already, man. I felt like this one was ripe for the picking. I really liked Nebraska in this matchup. In the whole group, there were only three of us. This includes both you and me. There were only three of us that picked Nebraska. You and some other person had the Cornhuskers at a one. Dude, I took Nebraska at a seven. I thought they were going to win this game, and I thought they had multiple opportunities late in the game to take it because their offense was dominating Michigan. I love their chances late, but Adrian Martinez fumbles the ball away late in the game once, allows Michigan to take the lead on a field goal. They still had another opportunity after that, and I still liked my odds. They just turned it over on downs. Yep, that's exactly right. I just... Golly, I just peed down their leg. And how many times are we going to have to see a Scott Frost team and Adrian Martinez-led team just just literally give a game away? As a Tennessee fan, it's almost it almost gives me PTSD, like watching a Nebraska game. I, I feel like I'm watching, you know, all all of Tennessee's games just with with red uniforms instead of orange. They absolutely 110 percent should have won this football game. I'm still honestly Michigan's ranked number nine I'm still not impressed by them yeah I agree I I, honestly (laughs) coming out of this game I honestly think that Michigan played a better game offensively than I thought they were so I'm going to give them a little bit of credit but that's not to say they're anything super impressive Cade McNamara played a pretty good game he threw for more yards and and was better and more efficient with the ball than I thought he was going to be and the running game was contained a little bit by Nebraska but Nebraska man I'm telling you they might be under 500 but this team has been much better than their record shows and they've been very very competitive in every game they've played this year so I think the Cornhuskers are a much better team than their record says and I'm going to keep that along with this performance as bolstering them in my mind going forward into the season if we have them again in another pick'em week. Yep, uh, I, I agree. We're going to have to confront uh, this this Michigan team again. So it's, it's going to be – I'm glad I got to watch it and, and kind of see who they are a little bit closer because being 6-0, and uh, we're going to pick a few more of their games as they play Michigan State and Ohio State down the stretch. Definitely. Alan, from several games that were back and forth and up and down and right down to the wire, let's talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Man, 34 to 10 against Auburn, complete domination. And uh, I think you and I are on the same page. We've kind of talked about this. 
I think Georgia at this point in my mind has clearly separated. And this is not just saying something coming off a loss by Alabama to Texas A&M because I was saying it before Alabama lost to A&M. I think Georgia is the best team in the country and I think they've displayed that through the early portion of the season. And once again on Saturday, I think that was the case. Yeah, I agree. I would just... Uh, even with Stetson Bennett, right? And nothing wrong with with that young man. He's a, he is a fine quarterback, but there's nothing necessarily explosive about him. But going and beating a pretty good Auburn team, just beating them fairly handily, just dominating, being able to run the football, even throwing for 230 yards, turning Bo Nix over, which he hadn't done, holding Tank Bigsby to 28 yards on 10 carries. That is mind-boggling. This this defense is one of the best I've ever seen. The defense is tremendous, and you took part of the point I was going to make. The combination of Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, we've talked about them here on the podcast before, they combined for only 15 carries for 46 yards and one touchdown. That's three yards a carry, just completely dominant, just to rip away the best part of an Auburn offense and take it away completely and make, you know, Bo Nix put this entire game on his shoulders. It's just not going to happen against this elite defense. Yeah, agreed. It's going to take something special in order to beat this team. It's going to be fascinating. Alan, to another one we both got wrong. You mentioned that we had it too high in confidence. This was one of my value picks last week. Oregon State falling to Washington State 31-24. Man, this one hurt. I had it at a 9 You had it at a seven. I don't really know what to tell you about this game. Washington State played well, and I think they played their best game of the season. You know, to me, uh, they had been a bad team all year, and they came out and they played like they were a pretty good team. I I don't know what else to say about it because I think that all the evidence uh, leading up to this matchup pointed to the Beavers, and I think they played offensively the way I thought they would. B.J. Baylor was awesome coming out of the backfield. Deshaun Fenwick was awesome coming out of the backfield. But it was Jaden Delora and Travell Harris at wide receiver who just really dominated this game. Delora threw for 399 yards and three touchdowns. By far his best performance of the season. Harris had eight receptions for 147 yards, averaging 18 yards per reception. By far his best performance of the season. Alan, I don't know what else to say because this was a highly competitive game. Uh, The spread was low. I put it at a high value for Oregon State. It's just Washington State performed, I think, far better than they had all year. I agree. They did. And like you said, it was a back-and-forth game. And, you know, Washington State scored their go-ahead touchdown with only five minutes left. Oregon State did have two turnovers, so they lost the the turnover battle by, by one. And, again... It just gets weird out West. (laughs) No doubt. Alan, another game that got really, really weird. One that we both had, again, at pretty high values. For me, it was a six. We got it right. You got it at a nine. Wake Forest beating Syracuse. But man, it was in overtime, 40 to 37. This one was going on during the wedding that I was at. So I was just kind of score tracking as it went. And man, this thing was just going back and forth. At times, Wake seemed like they had control. At times, Syracuse seemed like they had control. But it wasn't until the closing minutes that this thing was decided. Oh, yeah. I I mean, as in, it was a, a walk-off at overtime. <laughs> it was crazy. Syracuse probably should have won the football game. Just If you just look at the statistics of it, it feels like that they should have won the football game. Garrett Schrader 
transfer from Mississippi State played one heck of a ball game. I have some serious concerns for of Wake Forest defense. I, I don't think that they have a defense that's going to be able to stand up. They've won a couple of games now that against Louisville and now against Syracuse that they've been really shaky on. But I mean, they're six and zero, which is that that says something. They're the only uh, the only team in the ACC that's still undefeated. But this one was ooh, way too close for comfort. I thought I was going to lose the nine game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that the Syracuse team, just looking back at them, had improved quite a bit. That's why I had it a little bit lower with Wake Forest at a six. Uh, but I think you're exactly right. I, I didn't watch this game. I caught a couple of highlights, but it did look to me like Syracuse should have probably won the game. I mean, they outgained Wake by nearly 100 yards. They also ran the ball for 354 yards at 6.1 yards an attempt. Uh, and I'm with you. This Wake Forest defense, I think, has now solidified itself as very, very questionable. You know, I think it was one thing to see Louisville getting a shootout with them, especially a Louisville offense that has shown improvement throughout the year and has been good, at least in recent memory, even if it wasn't great, you know, a year ago and had some question marks early this season. I think it was one thing to see that. But now to see Syracuse really explode offensively on Wake Forest, I think that's a data point to certainly keep in mind with the Demon Deacons as we go on the rest of the year. Agreed. All right, Alan, let's look at one that we both got right. A really fascinating game inside the top five in the Big Ten. Iowa defeating Penn State 23-20. to Man, this one had dips and dives, turns all over the place. Penn State got out in front early. Then Sean Clifford goes down with an injury, and Iowa chips away and chips away and chips away and finally comes away with a win. We got credit for the points, but man, if Sean Clifford doesn't go down with the injury, I think this thing probably goes the other way. That's what I was going to say is we were very fortunate. Um, and those that picked Penn State were a victim of unfortunate circumstances because I, I think this is going the other way. Um, clearly, that Penn State's backup quarterback was not ready for the moment. And um, but, but Clifford came in prepared. They jumped out to a 17-3 to lead and then slowly but surely – Iowa chips away and chips away and chips away. And then late in the fourth quarter is able to, on a beautiful play, like a throwback type of play, is able to to get over the hump. And then their defense did the rest. I will say that defense is legit. They, they turn people over at a crazy rate. They certainly do. It was four turnovers. Even Sean Clifford threw a couple of picks in this game, uh, but the yeah. offense was at least moving while Clifford was in there. Taquan Roberson came in. He threw a couple of picks as well, uh, but he and he bailed out on passing downs a lot. I went back and rewatched this game at least the second half since I missed it uh, with the wedding day on Saturday, but Taquan Roberson just kind of bailed out on passing plays really quick. It was like one read. If the receiver wasn't open, he was tucking and running. And Iowa's defense is too good to be able to do that and really gain big chunks of yards. So they limited him. Uh, The offense did absolutely nothing after he came in, and it just allowed Iowa to come away with the victory. A couple of injury notes beyond Sean Clifford to think about. You know, we have to figure out what's going on with him as the season goes on and whether he's going to be missing more action. But defensive tackle PJ Mustafer went down with a knee injury. That's also for Penn State. And then their safety, Jonathan Sutherland, also left this game. So, uh, man, not only a loss for the Nittany Lions, but definitely some losses on the field that uh, are going to need to be tracked as we go deeper into the season to see what the Nittany Lions can do. Absolutely, because for Penn State, 
with this type of loss, especially on the road and with Clifford going out, everything that they want is still in front of them. I mean, everything. They they are still a playoff-worthy team having beaten Auburn at home. And, and so I, I think that everything's still in front of them, especially given the circumstances, how close this game was and that Sean Clifford um, went out in the second quarter. The playoff committee takes that kind of stuff into consideration. Yeah, definitely. I think rightfully so. I mean, it would only make sense. Yes. You lose to a top-five team in a close game on the road, no less, and have all the injuries to deal with it. The fact that you were in control of the game, at least to some extent, when Clifford went out with the injury, I, I think all of that should absolutely be taken into account. And especially as we work our way deeper into the season, especially if Clifford's coming back, which based off the way he looked leaving the field and everything, I would think he's going to be back at some point this season, even if he has to miss a week or two. Uh, and that'll be something to take into consideration when they match up against other good Big Ten teams. Absolutely. All right, Alan, one that we both missed was BYU coming up short against Boise State 26-17. I had BYU at a four. You had the Cougars at an eight. Man, that one hurt both of us to some extent, uh, but I was a little bit more cautious about this game. But, man, turnovers once again. Uh, BYU outgained Boise by 100 yards in this game, but they had four turnovers, and uh, I think that's really what came back to bite them in this one. I agree. Uh, that was the... That's the thing that uh, just it just was the the nail in the coffin. Honestly, when you look at the stats, they they dominated, had more than a hundred yards more than than Boise State, um, but they had four turnovers. The reason I went so high with them is at home BYU has played considerably well, and, and so I, I trusted them at at home. BYU just turned the ball over a good bit and uh, Boise state played above their heads a good bit, um, especially defensively compared to what they had done previously. I think it's pretty interesting to think about these matchups Alan, where we're both looking at this thing going, man, BYU outgained the Broncos by over a hundred yards, things like that. The four turnovers were a big factor to me. One of the big factors in this game was looking at the quarterback position for BYU. We were looking all week trying to figure out who's going to play. Then yeah. breaking news was that Jaron Hall at least was rumored to be starting for the Cougars. I actually had this game lower on my board before I knew that, and then I ticked it up a few spots. Uh, but after the result, even looking back at the game, the little bit that anybody saw or if you were able to watch this game in full, to me it feels like I would probably, if this if these two teams kicked it off again, say tomorrow – I would probably just pick BYU again based off how the game played out. Agreed. I, I think so, too. I think they are the better team. Um, and on this individual day, they turned the ball over too much. And, and that was the difference. Only a couple more games to discuss, Alan. A couple that we were on opposite sides with. I took Notre Dame at a two and a win over Virginia Tech. You had the Hokies at a three. But, man, this was a close game. Went nip and tuck all the way down to the finish. But Notre Dame was just able to get enough done. Uh, they had a mix-up at quarterback once again. Jack Cohn got out there. He didn't play so well. Tyler Buckner ended up playing a lot. Uh, there was a pick six involved that really helped Virginia Tech have a shot late in this thing, but it was Notre Dame coming back late to finish him off. Yeah, this was just a tight game. Buckner did not play well either, and the only reason they ended up winning that game, as Notre Dame did, is because Cone came back in the game <laughs> and ended up playing well on those, on those last couple of series, um, putting them over the top. 
and especially kicking that field goal with with 17 seconds left um, to put them at 32. This was a very evenly matched game, but it's a game historically, I will say, that Brian Kelly has found a way to win. Even going back to the Florida State game at the very beginning of the year, these these are just games that he finds a way to win. It's ugly. Honestly, sometimes it feels like they shouldn't win, but they just do. And that was one of the reasons I had picked them the the previous week over Cincinnati. That is kind of what Notre Dame does, and uh, you trust them in a road spot like this, and they just find a way to win the game. I mean, it was helpful for Notre Dame. Of course, not so helpful for you (laughs) in picking Virginia Tech. But, man, lots of exciting games going down. Alan, the last one we need to talk about, one that we are on opposite sides again. You went with a value pick and an upset with LSU over Kentucky. I told you I couldn't blame you last week. I ended up going with Kentucky, but at a one, so I wasn't that confident in it at all. Uh, but the Wildcats come in away with a dominant performance, 42-21 over the Tigers. They outgained them by a lot in yardage, and most of LSU's yardage was put up late in this thing, scoring a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Honestly, the score is not anywhere close, and it's a 21-point spread, 42-21. to and it this felt more like a 42 to 10 type of game. I don't even know that LSU brought a defense with them. They may have just played their offensive players on defense is, is how it looked. Kentucky was able to just run it right down their throat over and over and over again. And there was there was nothing they could do. They were out toughed. And I, I think we're we're seeing the end of the Ed O era um, down in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I think definitely so. This is a, first, a stretch of five consecutive games that LSU has against ranked opponents. And like you said, out-toughed. I mean, we documented that coming off the UCLA game to open up the season. Uh, they were just out-physical there. And like you said, Kentucky mauled them, man. They ran the ball for 330 yards, 45 carries. That means it was 7.3 yards per carry. That's nuts. Chris Rodriguez yeah. went off. He had 16 carries for nearly 150 yards. Over nine yards a carry for Mr. Rodriguez and a touchdown. Cavassier Smoke went over 100 yards as well and only 12 carries. He's carrying it at 8.7 yards per touch. And Will Levis even got in the mix. 11 carries for 75 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Man, it was dominant on the ground for the Kentucky Wildcats, something they've been well known for, uh, but they certainly took advantage of this LS2 defense on that side of the ball. Completely inexcusable. It's just a, It's just a lack of effort. Well, Levis only had football uh, 17 times um, and only threw for 145 yards. That That's just signals effort. Seems like you don't want to care, which is interesting considering the previous week, they really stood up against Auburn, right? We mentioned this on the podcast last week that Auburn was not able to run the ball as, as effectively as we thought may happen when they went down to um, to Death Valley, but then they go on the road and it, it just felt like they had mailed it in. Um, you know, Butte obviously had to be carted off after an injury. Um, offense showed up, but they were just too ineffective and too inefficient. And and when you can't stop the run in the SEC, uh, somebody's going to just really take advantage of you. And that's what happened. Definitely. Alan, you already touched on it, but Kayshawn Boutte, the wide receiver for LSU, went down with a leg injury. It's already been announced he is done for 2021. A devastating injury there, man, because right now 
I would argue their two best players are now done for significant parts of the season, if not the entire season. That'd be wide receiver Kayshawn Boutte, who went down in this game, and Derek Stingley Jr., the star cornerback. Man, they're losing a lot of pieces that are very important and a difficult schedule ahead. We already talked about, we both think that Ed O is done for the season. At some point, he's going to get let go of his job. Uh, but man, this is a tough way for LSU to be going because they can't stop the run. Their star players are getting injured and uh, they're certainly in a bad spot as we head forward. And I think that's something to definitely keep in mind with these Tigers as they may pop into our pick em, You know, definitely here again, coming into week seven, uh, but maybe once or twice more down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. And maybe, I mean, We've seen this LSU team, you know, come to life inexplicably at at other times. But you know, that Florida game, it's it's a nooner in Death Valley, which means it's going to be it's going to feel like Death Valley, like no one is going to be there because they're it feels like they're dead. And uh, one of the things that that you mentioned, Derek Stingley, feels like he's had a, a Benjamin Button career. Like he, he peaked when he was a freshman and he's just gone downhill ever since. Um, so I'll be interested to see what the NFL does with him coming out of his junior year. It'll be a very interesting to see, but man, they had so many things go on with guys leaving the team for the NFL draft a couple of years ago, defensive coordinator changes. I think a lot more of that is probably blame on the team and coaching than it is Stingley, because I think Stingley is supremely talented. I know he hasn't been as good in some of the matchups, but I, I trust that I think he's probably still going to be a superstar at the next level with dedicated coaching and a good work ethic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's just been fascinating to see that his his story arc has not been near what I anticipated. It sure. Being. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, man. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them for sure, but uh, it's sad to see some of these guys go down because uh, they are the stars of LSU football right now. There aren't a ton of them to look at, uh, yep. but, but it's sad to see these guys go down with injuries that are going to be so devastating. So true. Alan, we called week six purge week for a reason. We had so many tight spreads. Of course, like all our other previous weeks, there was no winner of our $25 Visa gift card. That's where you can go perfect in your picks and win the tiebreaker for the total score tiebreaker in the pick'em contest as well below this set of picks. Uh, the closest we had though was one contestant named Will who went eight and two this past week scoring 45 points. Man, that is an impressive week and uh, one to brag about. Uh, but, you know, coming very close considering the difficulty of week six, it'll be interesting to see what we have going forward here in week seven. Absolutely. We've got a, we've got a big week ahead of us. Some of us are trying to climb out of um, the hole we put it ourselves in and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Of course, you can always follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at the blackout pod. And we appreciate ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts. And of course, as we're alluding to next up, we are going to be recording our pick and pod for week seven. Man, it, it better feel better than this week did, Alan, because it was a mess. You and I took the brunt of it, but now we head into week seven with, I think, a little bit more predictable slate, hopefully so at least, and hopefully we're going to see the rewards of it coming back as we hit the midway point of the college football pick'em season. Yeah, let's do this thing, man.
thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. <laughs>